Of EGADevil.com. I'm your host, EGADevil, and this is episode 5, at long last. We've got a lot to talk about this episode because there's a lot going on in the world of Common Rider right now. But before we do, I feel I owe you guys a bit of an explanation as to just what's been going on with this podcast and with the site in general for about the past month. Basically, what it boils down to is that I've been busy looking into teaching positions in Japan. As some of you may know, that's what I used to do, and I've always intended to return to it at some point. So the last month has been spent uh, really filling out applications, doing interviews at very early hours in the morning, and all the usual mental strain that comes with job hunting, magnified tenfold since this job hunting overseas. And all that has been successful, and now I'm just shy of certain that I will be teaching again in Japan starting this fall. Uh, but it's been a huge amount of work, and it's been very hard to find the time for, or even to concentrate on, a lot of other stuff. And uh, hopefully it all results in the best possible outcome, which is I move back to Japan and continue teaching like I once did. But I'm still taking everything one step at a time, so I'm, I'm not quite celebrating just yet. It, you know, I I still need to get that. I need to get in writing, basically. I, I, I've I been offered a position. I've applied for the visa and all that. Once I have that, once I know I'm going, once I have the plane ticket in my hand and all that, that's when I'll probably, you know, declare victory and, and go crazy online and all that. But, but until that time, until that day comes. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I love doing these podcasts, and I, I still want to make this a weekly thing eventually. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to try my hardest to get more than one episode out a month and uh, and to keep the updates coming to the site because uh, th- this whole thing is, is always going to be a hobby for me, I think. But as long as there's somebody out there reading my stuff or listening to my stuff and enjoying it, I, I feel like I owe it to them to keep going and and keep on you know putting out new stuff and and just keep the keep the love for Common Rider alive. Because, I mean, why not? I've been doing it for 10 years already, so <laughs> might as well keep going. Uh, so with all that said, let's talk about some Common Rider. Alright, so first up, at long last, earlier this week, we had the revelation of the next Common Rider series, Common Rider Wizard. After a long time of, of really not knowing what was going to happen because the usual kind of news and leaked pics and stuff like that came a bit late this year so for a while people were speculating was Forze going to have a, a second series or something like that but now we finally know starting this September there will be a new series and there has just been a media blitz uh, with this guy the past couple of days there's the websites are already up there's video footage that was on TV there's leaked pictures from the filming there's 
magazine scans from magazines that aren't even out yet and just crazy stuff like that. But tons of information. And I think what everybody really wants to know is what do I think of the new rider design and the concept of the show? Or at least I hope they want to know. Yeah, as far as Comrade Wizard himself, when I first saw pictures of him, there was like a sort of a from the waist up shot, and then there was a picture from the filming where there were two guys kind of holding up his coattails and he's doing a rider kick. I guess that's going to be maybe one of the publicity photos or something like that, because it was in the place where they usually take those. Like, I remember Double was there and uh, Decade and, and stuff like that, like the, that parking lot, wherever it is. <laughs> the rider parking lot. Um, But yeah, as far as the overall design, I think when I first saw it, my my initial reaction was, I really don't know. (laughs) I mean, that was pretty much it. I I looked at it and was like, okay, that's that's the new rider. And and then I just had to wait for a while and and read what other people were saying because a lot of people have really dug this. And I've seen a few people that don't, and understandably so, because it's really different. And I think that's probably why, when I first saw it, I didn't quite know what to make of it. And to be honest, it was the exact same reaction I had with Forze. When I first saw Forze, I was like, all right, that's the next rider. And then I really just didn't know what to say until, pretty much up until the show started, and I saw it in action. And now that we have seen just a little bit of Wizard, like fighting some guys. This was on a TV special in Japan, like a morning program. I think it's from. And, you know, just seeing it in motion, seeing the costume do its stuff, seeing, you know, the stunt guy in costume fighting and all that, that that really helped me. It really helped make me uh, kind of, I guess, relieve, relieve my fears a little bit. Because, like I said, just looking at it on its own at first, not knowing anything about how he was going to be, I really just didn't know what to make of it. Because I know that the name Wizard has been around for, I think, at least a couple of weeks, uh, if not longer. And, you know, when you hear that name, immediately, I think most people think of... They either think of, like, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings, you know, Gandalf or something like that. Or, you know, just a, a very kind of traditional wizard with the pointy hat and, and the robe and all that stuff. And, and so... <laughs> You know, magic wand and all that. So the, I guess the weirdest thing to me about the whole thing is that his design, uh, which I do quite like, but it it doesn't really make me think of a wizard so much as I, and I can't really explain why. Maybe when you listen, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, and maybe you can tell me why you think I think this. But I get this sense that he's kind of demonic, almost like. You know, I don't want to say satanic exactly, but but very devilish in a way. You know, like if Hibiki was a kind of a very Japanese demon or an oni, and Kiva had that vampiric. You know, they they both had this slightly kind of monstrous look to them, which was cool. And this guy's got that as well, but I, I really can't explain it. But there is something devilish about him, even though I mean he doesn't have horns or anything. He's got he's got the kind of faux antenna. Maybe it's just the red and the black. I don't know. I I can't really explain it, but I I dig it, and it, it'll be interesting to see how they integrate the magic into the show with the rings and all that stuff. Because I I don't know. I just I I look at him and I get this feeling that it's going to be like very occult and 
you know, some of the information that has come out that says there's like this solar eclipse ceremony or something, that's when he gets his power. So I, I almost wonder, is like, is he a guy that gets kidnapped by a cult or something and he's going to be like this sacrifice to, to unleash demons onto the world or something like that? And is it all like really kind of dark black magic and stuff like that? I mean, I'm, I'm sure the show will be pretty much in keeping like tone-wise in keeping with the last couple series. I, I'm not expecting it to be super dark, grim and gritty, serious all the time or anything like that. But, you know, I, I think there might be a, a pretty cool element of darkness, at least where the bad guys are concerned in this one. And, and the hero being, if his powers came out of all that. I don't know. It's it's really too early to tell. But just as a design on its own, I, I think it's pretty cool. I I like I said, you know, there there is something kind of sinister about him, something kind of evil, and I, I think really with the whole like the trench coat look that he's got going. I mean, to me, that's like that's a perfect villain look right there, and it's gonna be interesting to see how they pull it off as uh, as a hero look. And again, that's that's where seeing him in action, like seeing the video footage, really helped kind of cement my feelings on this one because it's like, all right, I see, he's got this. This cool kind of dark Avenger look to him, almost. Uh, you know, he might not be like that at all. That's that's just what I assume right now. But, but yeah, it's it's interesting. The head, the mask design is is really different. I kind of miss the the really obvious bug eyes. I mean that 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 to me is it's so a part of like what Kamen Rider is the the eyes that the double and O's and fours they all had. Uh, and and this guy is really different. He's much more of the the hibiki kind of look, where it's he's got accents that suggest eyes, but it really is like a flat red. Maybe seeing it more up close, it's got kind of like a jewelly or like a reflective look to it. He's definitely got that in his chest, which I think is really cool. Like the chest armor, that just the stuff that it's made out of looks really neat. Uh, and and some people have likened it to V three, which I quite enjoy. But yeah, but yeah, the mask is really interesting and different. Um, the body is, is okay. It's it's pretty simple, but I, I kind of like that. I mean, I've always said that I think the main rider, like the main design, the one that's going to be on most of the merchandise and the one that's going to be the face of the franchise for a whole year, that one has got to be simple enough that kids can draw it. You know, as long as they can do that, even out, out of crayon and... and with no body and stuff like that, like as kids would would tend to draw something. I mean, as long as they can draw it and and you instantly know what it is and you can remember it, uh, that's what's really important. So, yeah, I, I think overall it's it's a pretty cool design and it will like Forze, it will grow on me. I think as I watch the show because right now it's you know it's all still fresh and new and you don't quite know what to make of it. I mean, I know a lot of people really like it and we'll just we'll have to wait and see. When, when the show actually begins and, and see what we think of it by this time next year, I guess. One thing I really do like, I gotta say, is the wallet chain of, of or the ring holder that he's got on the belt, which the hand on the belt, I I don't quite know how I feel about that. I mean, it's kind of, I like the idea that he, he will like hold his hand over it and I guess it scans the back of the ring or something and, <laughs> and that's what causes him to transform and uses different powers and stuff, but and I guess it's going to flip around or something because it looks like the thumb changes positions. I don't know. It's different. And, and difference difference cool. But he's got a sword that turns into a gun, which is pretty neat. And he's got the other forms there, the, the other styles, I should say. 
and those are all pretty cool. It's it's nice that they're simple and you can you know instantly who they are. I mean that's the thing. Some some other riders when they change forms is almost like a completely different rider design, uh, which can be cool. I mean I I love those. I liked how Deno did it, but but this is kind of nice too. It's very back to basics. When he changes to a different style, you instantly know who he is. Uh, and the rings, that's a pretty cool idea. I, I'm really curious what the toys are going to be like. I wonder if the rings will actually fit <laughs> most of most of the adult fans out there. I, I feel like what's probably going to happen is they'll be made so that their kids can wear them, but they're still large enough for adult fans, or maybe like the actual part that grips on your finger will, will be adjustable or something like that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they do that. I will probably end up collecting a bunch of them like I always do with the stuff, you know, even if it, at first I remember seeing the switches, I was like, I, I can pass on those, I don't need to buy those, and, and now I've almost got all 40 of them, so what can you do? Um, and we've seen pictures of the cast, and, and they all look pretty good. The main guy looks like he raided Wataru's closet, uh, you know, stole his pants, which that's okay, I mean, I liked Wataru's clothes. Yeah, other than that, uh, not really a whole lot to say at this point other than, you know, there's there's been a lot of information and news and pictures and, and so far everything, I'm I'm intrigued. I, I can't wait to see this one. Uh, you know, I've been enjoying Forza just fine, but I'll be excited when this show starts up and, and we see just what the wizard has to offer. And speaking of Forza, we have a couple episodes of that show to cover from the last couple of weeks. Now, I'm going to admit... A lot of these I only watched once, and I haven't gone back to revisit them or anything uh, since they aired. So I'm just kind of covering major plot points or details that I remember from those episodes. And I'll do a more comprehensive overview maybe when the series ends. I'm sure we'll be doing one on HJU Radio. Uh, so this is just kind of my major thoughts, I think, on, on these various storylines. Um, starting with 33 and 34, where they went to Kyoto. And I really like these episodes, but part of that is because they went to a lot of places that I've been to. Uh, like Fushimi Naritaisha, the place with all the, the red gates, the tori. That was really cool to see. Of course, they had to go to the Toei Kyoto Egamura, where they have all the, the old like Edo-style buildings and things like that, and the sets. And... And I've I've seen that dinosaur, you know, the one that comes out of the water, which I'm sure confused a lot of people. That was that was really funny to see. But yeah, I really dug these episodes. It was nice to get some story progression with Kengo meeting up with the guys that knew his father and and things like that, and and learning about what happened to his father, sort of, and um and just all the kind of wackiness going on with the others and and the Yukina character who, um. I really liked the idea behind her. I think the execution was maybe a little lacking. And what it really comes down to is, you know, in the first episode, she's just kind of, she's like in this battle with Yuki to who can, who can overact more, you know, who can chew more scenery because they're, they're just going crazy. Uh, and it, it was pretty funny. But in the second episode, they, they I guess, revealed what her reasoning was, why she wanted to hang around Gintaro so much, what she what she wanted. And I thought that was pretty cool, although I think it would have been more effective if she hadn't been such an over-the-top character. If she had been like a regular, 
you know, just a nice kind of down-to-earth character. And then she, you know, gets a launch in this whole rant about how he's not a normal, he's not getting to live as a normal high schooler and and stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. There was, I thought you could, you could go to a very interesting kind of dark place with that, where this idea that Gentaro and, and the Ryder Club, they're all these very kind of larger-than-life characters. And, and and that just that comes with being TV characters in a sense, you know, with being fantastic characters. I mean, people like that can and do exist in real life, but, you know, they couldn't get away with some of the stuff <laughs> that they get away with on this show. Those kids would be expelled. But uh, you know, on a TV show, they they can they can do it, and and I think it would have been kind of cool to have this almost meeting of reality and fantasy, where you have a very normal, quote unquote, more realistic person who's saying like, you know, look at you people, you're all you're insane, you're you're mad, you're <laughs> a bunch of weirdos. I mean, why can't why can't you live normally like the rest of us? And and then he kind of shows that. He has to do this. I mean, he has to be Comrade Forza. I mean, it's it's really it's getting into some kind of deep stuff. I think that I can understand why they didn't go this route. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense, but I think it would have been really cool because this was probably the closest that I can think to of really giving a tragic aspect to Gentaro being Forza. That because he's Forza, he cannot live. A normal life as a normal high schooler you know no matter how hard he tries no matter how many friends he makes he is in a way kind of cursed by the fact that he's Forze and it is kind of strange why nobody else has become Forze and it seems like only he can do it but maybe they'll reveal a reason behind that I don't know but overall I mean I, I still like the idea of it I, I just I think Maybe it, it, it probably would have worked better if Yukina herself was a different kind of character. Because as it is, it just really did come, kind of come across as like, oh, she's just sort of jealous and, and you know, she wants to be friends with him. And, and you know, it was, it was sweet, but it wasn't quite as powerful as I think it could have been. But I still really enjoyed it. I liked seeing all the stuff with Libra going around, smashing the stones. I really liked the character of Leo, who... It's just a great villain. I mean, I, I always love the bad guys who are just really tough. Like, that's their kind of whole thing. He's just a, he's a really tough guy. He can beat Forze and Meteor together, even when they're both in their strongest states. And I think that was pretty brave so soon after introducing Cosmic States that they introduced a villain who could just beat the crap out of it and, and really give them a run for their money. And, and that was cool. Uh, and it was nice to see Foundation X there, but... I think, as I said on the HJU radio about Mega Max, it, it was not one of their finest appearances. They they kind of got their butts kicked and, and didn't look very good. But, you know, it was it was neat to have them in there and, and create a little intercontinuity with the shows and all that. So it was a good couple episodes. All right, so 35 and 36 was a Jake-centric storyline. With uh, He suddenly revealed that he wants to be a DJ and playing a band, apparently, because that's what his dad did. <laughs> uh, and, and this was a pretty crazy one. The whole mind control music thing was a lot of fun. I like the whole idea that the riders weren't affected by it because of the cosmic energy and all that. That was cool. Um, the whole stuff with, with some of the rider club forming a band and, and doing a really terrible song was <laughs> really funny. 
yeah, not not a whole lot to say about this one. I, I enjoyed it. It was good. It did sort of feel like uh, it, it was one of those episodes where it they're they're doing a lot of other stuff. They're introducing all this. They're furthering all these other ideas, especially with the bad guys. Because at the end of the Kyoto storyline, you know, Libra was going to get thrown into the Dark Nebula, but it turns out he's got the Eye of Sauron or something, and they need to keep him around. So I think it was really kind of about him to me and his abilities and and his kind of manipulations, I guess, or his his desire to. You, you know, I got the sense that he's sort of playing a betrayal or something like that. I don't know. We'll see where it goes, but. It was a pretty good storyline overall, and it was funny to finally learn that Jake's real name is Jingu Kaizo, which is a anagram of Jin Kaizorg, which is a little Kamen Rider X reference there. So, but that was that was a pretty fun one. Thirty-seven and thirty-eight for a lot of people. That was a pretty controversial one, and and really having to do with the character of, of Yuki and her reaction to the new girl Erin. Uh, who's actually the Aquarius Zodiards. Um, and that one, that story, overall, I, I liked it. But again, it was one of those ones where I feel like maybe they could have done it just a little bit differently and it would have been more successful. I, I think what I would have done is, instead of having Eren be the one who gets all frustrated with Yuki, I actually, I think I would have had Yuki be the one who, who suddenly kind of is confronted with this character who's very much like her, except smarter, better at everything, prettier, you know, I mean, just, just kind of like her superior in every way, and, and it sort of would drive her a bit crazy. Um, because as it is in the story now, I mean, until you get to the second part and you realize that Yuki had to do that whole thing where she, she hid the camera and all that, just watching the first part, I mean, she really does not look very good. <laughs> and I think a lot of people were really ready to turn on her at that point, and... and by the time we got to the second part, I, I don't know. I just I just kind of got the sense that that people who had liked her or had tolerated her up to that point suddenly kind of turned on her. Were like, "All right, I'm sick of this this whole you know space obsession that she's got." I don't know. This is just my own interpretation. I mean, I I felt from the beginning. I I, I think the character is okay, but I really wish that she would have a storyline where it was about her. I mean. She had the stalker one early on, but that was really more about Kengo and his relationship with Gentaro. And this one, I think it was really more about the new character and how she kind of is, is driven crazy <laughs> to some degree um, by by Yuki being Yuki. But I mean, we I don't think we've really had a storyline that focused on, on Yuki that much. And, and that, supposedly, from what I've been reading of the rumors and stuff, we will get a little bit more about her in an upcoming episode. So, I mean, I'd, I'd really just like to get a bit more in, into who she is, you know, beyond the whole she wants to go to space and she likes Hayabusa-kun and all that stuff. But other than that, I mean, I thought I thought this storyline was okay. I, I didn't mind it that much. I actually really liked the end of um, 38, like the battle that they had in the rain and everything. That was pretty cool. The monster's powers, I thought, were really neat. That she could just re- recover from any energy, uh, injury and regenerate. And I didn't, I didn't pick up on the fact that it was linked to her shoulder pads until I guess that was. Uh, I can't remember when they revealed that. I think it was when she was fighting Meteor or something like that. But I don't know. I just, and that was pretty cool. How Force they had to destroy both of them at the same time, and it was very clever. 
but but yeah, I like that one okay. And and the end was kind of creepy. I thought the fact that she couldn't remember anything. I don't know. There's there's something about memory loss and and mind wiping and all that that's kind of eerie. I think, but. I don't know. I was okay with those episodes overall. I mean, I I get why some people weren't happy with them, and I I think it's really interesting that there's some people even really turned on um, the writer Sanjo, who you know was like could do no wrong back in the days of Double, and and actually, and he was kind of the I I was thought was the writer who was weaker on Double. Like I I liked the other guy, I liked Hasegawa, but I was like Sanjo. When he was doing the really important episodes, like the first episode, the last episode, the big plot-moving stuff, the introduction of Fang Joker, things like that, he was really great. But when he kind of had to do the smaller, goofier, character-based sort of stuff, I I don't know. I mean, I know people have been critical of how he writes female characters. Like, they, they say that Akiko or Yuki, when he's writing, aren't as good as usual. I don't really know about that. I'd have to, like, sit down and, and actually examine if they're written any differently or anything like that, but I don't know. I, I've really enjoyed his Forze stuff, and actually, I mean, it's Forze that's kind of made me made me a convert. Like, I realized, yeah, he is pretty good, because like I said, I mean, in Double, I I just found his stuff, sometimes it was great, and sometimes it was like, alright, this is okay, but it's not as good as the other guy. Whereas on, on Forze, it's a lot of the same writers. It's all three of the, the writers from Double, actually. And, and I think, for the most part, I, I like what they're doing here, too. So, I don't know. But, yeah, I, I like this one. And lastly, 39 and 40. Episode 39 was pretty good. Some good jokes. I, I like the whole idea of like the school suddenly <laughs> being overrun with a fascist regime. Um, and the whole character of Taurus was, was interesting because if you asked me, like if I were going to come up with personalities and powers and, and traits and things like that for Zodiac themed monsters, to me, Taurus would be the big tough guy. Like he would be, you know, super strong using a ball and chain, stuff like that. So it was kind of interesting to have him as more of an intellectual character and this whole power where he would have people sign their name and then he could control them that was really cool i like that a lot so you know 39 was pretty good but i think episode 40 was where things really took off like that was a really really good episode considering the fact that it didn't really have the kind of traditional showdown between forze and and the monster of the week it was really more about forze and meteor fighting virgo we finally get the true identity of. And uh, if you haven't seen the episode yet, this is your last chance to turn back because I'm about to spoil who it is. It is, in fact, Emoto, the guy that Kengo met back in Kyoto, the, the kind of geeky professor dude. And, I, you know, people guessed ahead of time because Emoto is a anagram of Otome, which is a word for a maiden or a virgin. So that's kind of a big clue right there. But it's pretty... I think it was pretty bold of them to do that. Because I, I I don't know. For some reason, when it was revealed who Scorpion was, I was like, all right, I can kind of see that. You know, they have a female teacher turned into a male monster. That's, that's pretty good. And doing it in reverse, I mean, you know, that's okay. I just... I was kind of surprised that they actually went for it. Like, I, I just... I never thought they were, were going to be like, yeah, this... This old dude, he presses a switch and he turns into this monster with a very feminine form. And 
I don't know. It was, it was just it was pretty funny, but uh, it was a cool twist. I gotta admit. I mean, like if I hadn't known about the guy's name, I don't think I ever would have guessed that he's Virgo. I don't think anybody would have. And and the way they revealed it was pretty cool. The the fact that he's actually the one that killed Kengo's father is is interesting. <laughs> I guess it's supposed to make him a bit more evil. Like, because you kind of don't know up to that point. Is, is he secretly against Gamo? And he may still be yet. We don't quite know. But I think the fact that he is revealed as the guy who actually killed the father, if if he's really dead, I mean, I still think he's Tachibana. But we'll wait and see. Uh, if he's the guy that killed him, that, that's pretty good. And especially what it is at the end of the episode, sending Nozama to the Dark Nebula. That that was one of those times when I literally yelled no at the screen because uh, I never in a million years would have thought that would happen. Now, I, I'm going to guess that probably that she won't be the only one sent to the Dark Nebula. And I'm sure they're all going to get out of the Dark Nebula eventually. You know, that's almost guaranteed to happen. But it was still, that was a pretty, that was a pretty surprising moment. So I really dug this episode. All the stuff with Taurus and the uh, the other girl in the wheelchair, that was pretty cool. I, I got to tell you, I, I'm sure somebody else out there must have thought this too, but when he went up onto the roof and the girl was sitting with her back to him, you know, having the barbecue and all that, I was sure she was going to turn around and it was going to be Gentaro in drag. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that would have been pretty funny, I got to admit. But um, So overall, yeah, Forze still chugging along. I've still been enjoying it, and we're now entering the final stretch. I, I actually... After this episode, I gotta say, I'll, I'll admit, I, I was wrong. Originally, I was I was gonna say, or I've been saying for the last couple weeks that Forze doesn't feel like a show that's nearing its end. But after episode forty and the preview for forty one, I can kind of see, you know, the wheels are turning and and they're starting to move towards the final act. So it should be interesting to see what they do in the last. I think it's gonna be about eight episodes left. Uh, how they end it. Okay, and on that note, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, I'm going to answer a couple listener questions. Show me a cool speed run. Tonight 
questions. I'm going to start off with two, which I've had sitting around for a long time, a couple months, in fact, and I have to apologize to both these people. They've been waiting so long, and now I'm finally getting them, but here goes. Uh, back in the comments for, I think, like, episode two or something, and I'm sorry, i, I got to read the comments more closely. Uh, Ray asked, here's a question for the mailbag. Do you think that, in the long run, the Ryder franchise has benefited from the multiple breaks when no TV or movie projects were being produced, as opposed to Sentai, which has been produced nearly continuously since it began? And I would say, yeah, I, I actually think it's good to take a break every once in a while, because every time Kamen Rider has come back, it's always come back swinging, because I love new Kamen Rider. Uh, Black is really great, and, and Cougar was a great show, too. I mean, every one of the launch shows, as I call them, like the, the original series, New Kamen Rider, or Sky Rider, Black, and Cougar, are they're all very good shows. And some people would consider um, Double a launch show, and, and yeah, I could see that. I mean, even though it wasn't a break, it was kind of a, a revitalization. So, you know, you could certainly count that one. And I guess that that's sort of the exception that, to the rule where, you know, you, you don't have to take a break. You can do a series one year and the next series you can completely re-energize yourself with a whole new direction and all that but uh, I don't know on the whole I, I actually kind of like taking breaks because then things that you know you got used to and that have become commonplace they, they kind of become special again but at the same time I don't think they're necessary I mean I know it's like how some people want them to take breaks from writer team-ups and, and crossovers and stuff like that as opposed to what I think is that they're always great. I always enjoy them. I mean, it's like my dad said. We were watching uh, Z Cross a while ago, and he said, "No matter how many times they come back, it's always cool." And and that's pretty much how I feel. You know, I mean, as long as it's it, you can't do it every single episode every week, but once a year, I, I don't have a problem with that. Once every two years, or whatever. I mean, really, if you think about, it, there's only been really three, I guess, all riders crossovers, and you know, that was 2009, 2011. And I guess if you want to count Superhero Tyson, I mean, that's that's so big, I don't even know if I could call it just all riders. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a thing unto itself. But um, So I don't know. But yeah, overall, I'd say that I think the brakes have helped. They've let it, them kind of recharge their batteries sometimes. The way things are going now, I don't think Kamen Rider is ever going to take another break. But if it did, I'd be okay with it, you know, as long as it was for too long. You know, like, as long as it's not a permanent hiatus. If, if they're just like, okay, we're going to take a year off, or three years, or, or five years, or something like that, even. And I think if they did take a break now, because of how popular and successful Kamara is, it probably wouldn't completely go away. And it, it really never has completely gone away. Even when it took breaks before. I mean, they would still come out with comics, and the occasional TV special or something like that. I mean, it's a little different now because comics aren't as a, a big a thing. Like, in the 90s, you know, after Black Rx ended, there were a lot of comics. There was SD Riders, which pretty much ran from, like, right after Black Rx all the way up to Kuga. And that's sort of a, a, a side of, of Kamen Rider that I, I think a lot of people aren't as familiar with just because a lot of this stuff hasn't been translated a lot of it hasn't even been compiled and, and re-released in Japan. I mean, like, they're, you know, the TV magazine, TV Coon, they had 
SD Rider comics that ran every month for years, and I don't think they've ever been reprinted or anything like that. And they're all varying degrees of quality. I mean, some of them are really just sort of like gag strips, basically. But, I mean, they were still around. They still kept the characters relevant. I don't think Kamen has ever completely just disappeared off the face of the earth. There's always something out there for the fans, anyway. I don't know, but, you know, this is kind of a long-winded answer, too. Basically, the question is, yeah, I think in the long run, the the breaks have helped. I wouldn't mind another one, but if if we never get another one, and it's like Sentai and it just goes forth for 30 years straight or something, I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see how the writer shows are by then, because, I don't know, it, it'd be interesting. I kind of want to know from the Sentai fans out there, do you think Super Sentai should take a break? You know, even just like a year off or something. Or do you think it should just keep going unbroken, you know, quality be damned? Like, uh, what matters more is that the, the series, is that there's always Sentai on. It's just, it's become such a, a staple of TV that, you know, there needs to be a Sentai show on every year. I don't know. I'd be interested to know what you think about that. Hopefully that answers the question. <laughs> All right, and the other one here from Jesus Lopez on Facebook. Hopefully, I, I apologize if I said your name wrong, but... Alright, how would you put all the riders in one world, and how would you manage the contradictions of Agito and Blade so it could work? This is a question that I've actually thought about a lot, because if I were ever going to do a Kamen Rider story, uh, which which I might be doing, you never know, I would have all the riders in one world. That, that's just, that to me, that's just, a, it's such a cool idea that that's what I'd want to do. But at the same time, I'd, I'd want them to be the, the TV show writers, too. I, I'm not really a big fan of alternate universes. You know, Decade was cool, and I enjoyed it there, but if I if it were up to me, I mean, I what I really want is, or what I really like is, is I like sequels, and I like progression, and I like seeing the characters years later and, and learning what they've been up to and things like that. So, you know, like, if I were going to write a story with Agito, it would be, what has Shoichi been up to? after Agito ended, and, and what has uh, Hikawa been up to, and, and stuff like that. So, I think what I would do, you know, I, I think the only way you can really do it is, you have to be very, you have to pick and choose with, with what counts, and what doesn't, and what happened, and all that. And, and you kind of, you have to almost be doing a story where you're willing to admit that there were separate stories, or separate universes, and, and they've joined together. I mean, Decade kind of did that. I think what I would do is almost the opposite, where instead of the worlds are merging and it's a bad thing, I'd be like, the worlds are merging because that's what has to happen. Like, that's that's the price you pay for being part of the Kamen Rider universe, is you, <laughs> you have to meet the other Kamen Riders eventually. You are, part of a, you are part of something that is much bigger than your little show. Because I I think that's how it should be. Because it's it's a franchise, you know. I mean, if if I want to watch an individual self-contained show, there's plenty of those. And you know, that's not to say that every common writer has to be connected to all the others in in a billion different ways. But I mean, it should always still feel like it's part of a cohesive thing. And I think most shows do that. I mean, Blade, even though you know the show just has Blade and and the Blade writers in it. It still it it has this cool feeling, this atmosphere to it, where it it feels like it could take place in the same world as other writer shows. I mean, I love how they just throw around the term common writer in that, like it's 
the, the good guys use it, the bad guys use it. I mean, it does have a, an actual meaning in the show for the board rider systems and all that, but it's it's used very liberally, and, and I really like that. I, I like this idea that it is just this kind of commonly accepted word for the, the good guys, basically. It's shorthand for the good guys, but... You know, I, I just feel like if, if you're going to be part of the Vider series, you, you should be willing, you, you know, you got to be able to play with others, I think. That's how it works, so. As far as handling, you know, contradictions and things like that, well, uh, you know, I think you can get pretty wacky with it. Like, if it were up to me, I would say, where Agito and Blade are concerned, I think that given the dates, all the stuff with Blade, with the, the big battle that was 10,000 years ago, that would all come after the Agito stuff. I mean, if I remember correctly, at the beginning of Blade anyway, weren't there like cave paintings and stuff like that of, of the undead or of, of the cards or something? I can't remember. There was something like that. There was like... The, the, basically, the idea was supposed to be that like at some point, like cavemen were fighting the undead or, or at least knew of them. So I always kind of assumed that even though you had this big battle between the 52 guys, the 52 guys, the 53, you had this big battle. It's not like they were the only ones there. I mean, they are, their individual species all existed. It's just like this battle happened to sort of determine who would be the dominant force. So there could still have been other humans and things like that. So, you know, humanity could have been created by the dark force guy there in Agito. And then 10,000 years ago from 2004, anyway, from the present, there was just suddenly this, this big battle between these other forces. Because they call the, the sealing stone there, that's God and everything like that. I mean, who's to say there has to be just one God in Kamen Rider? Because if you were going to combine all the Rider series, you know, their universe and things like that, I mean, there are so many different aspects, you know, supernatural. I mean, just, just think of how many, like, ancient civilizations there are now or, or how many different you know forms of, of life after death there are or, or like human evolution and stuff like that because you have people turning into Aigatos, people turning into Orphanox, people turning into Fangires um you know because eventually some they had to turn to Fangires I don't <laughs> I was I was assumed that there was some connection between humans and Fangires at least far back enough and, and who knows maybe they're all like mutations of the same super gene or something like that. I don't know exactly, but yeah, I mean with with the contradictions, it really just comes down to like how how much of how much writing do you want to do? How much, you know, do you want to how many connections do you want to make? I mean, like if if you wanted to go really crazy and I would, I'd be like the guys in Agito, they were just a couple of century kings. <laughs> they were fighting they were fighting to be, you know, who will become the next creation king and and maybe that's what the, uh, the the blade battle was all about too. Maybe you know the rules had changed by that point, and there are fifty-two guys fighting for dominance. I don't know. You you could really go crazy with it. I mean, it's it's kind of a hard question to just answer off the top of my head because it's something I'd want to think about and and write down, but and actually go back and rewatch the shows. And because I'm I'm really just going off of memory here for a lot of this stuff. But I someday I, I would kind of like to sit down and create like a comprehensive comrade timeline using all the different, you know, the various references that they throw in, like, you know, one year ago this happened and stuff like that and how how things would match up. And, I mean, I know it, you know, ultimately you have to admit, yeah, it's all it's all a lot of fan-wanky nonsense. And when they made the shows, they weren't thinking about any of this stuff, you know. But at the same time, it's fun to think about and it's, it's fun to try and figure out because 
now when they're making the shows, they are thinking about it to a degree. I mean, with Forze, they they pretty much said all the riders happened in this one world. We're not going to bother to explain it all, but it did happen, and and that's that's cool enough in itself. I think you know you don't need to get into all the details. I mean, it's, it's fun to do it, but I don't know. I mean, this kind of leads into a whole bigger rant you could do about the continuity and and the timelines and all that stuff. And I mean, I think as long as you're not taking it too seriously, because they aren't either. I mean, Toei does not keep a serious record of writer <laughs> continuity or anything like that. I mean, they they just do whatever they want, and I think you got to be the same if you're if you're writing a story or if you're just just making a theory or something like that or a timeline chart. You really just got to do what you want and and just have fun with it and and not get into these heated arguments or or, or really care. I mean, I know there's some people that. They get so mad when people say, oh, well, all this stuff is in continuity when it can't be, and, and you know, it, it's it's not worth getting that upset about. I mean, it's, it's just silly nonsense, really. So, I don't know if that really answers the question or not, but, but basically, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd have them all in one world. I'd write about the differences and stuff like that, and, and when it comes to the contradictions, I'd just kind of choose what I like best. Like, with, with Ryuki, to me, the Ryuki ending I would go with is episode final. With Blade, the ending I would go with is missing Ace. You know, I'd still make it so like the other endings happen, like those are skewed timelines or something. And maybe Kenzaki's walking around, and suddenly he kind of like has memories of this ending that he knows happened to him, but it couldn't happen because he's still a normal guy. But and you know, and involve that in the story somehow. Like I think you could do some really crazy, cool things with that, and hopefully someday I will. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Okay, and uh, as I was recording this, I went on to Twitter and, and said, does anybody have any more questions for the next episode? And I was expecting maybe one or two, and I actually got quite a few. So thank you to everybody who sent questions in, because it's given me more to talk about. Uh, so let's see if I can answer them <laughs> to the best of my ability. First off, from uh, Grimhelm, who has his own podcast called Toku Strike. You should check that out. He says, uh, has there ever been fights you wish the hero didn't win? Well, you know, I subscribe to the Rider 1 philosophy, which is uh, no matter by whose hand, justice always wins. So, uh, you know, the good guy's got to win in the end. But I will say that there were some times in Kabuto where I, I really kind of wish that, you know, I wanted Tendo to win in the end, but I, I kind of wanted him to work for it a bit more. I, I felt he really kind of steamrolled bad guys sometimes in that show and I know some people like that because it, it, it was different and it was kind of cool to have this badass hero who nothing could touch him until at least maybe about halfway into the show but uh, I don't know I, I just I, I tend to like it more when you know I was like there to be at least two rounds in every hero versus villain battle and, and the first round is where the the bad guy either dominates or they're so evenly matched that Neither one can get an advantage over the other, and, and everybody just kind of gets away unscathed. So it's either the, the villain is really tough, he beats the hero up, and the hero has to you know figure out how is he going to beat this guy through training or, or something like that. Or they're just they're too good for each other, and so the next time they meet, the hero's got to figure out how am I going to beat this guy, and he's, he's got to use his intelligence a bit more. He's got to be he's got to outthink him, I guess. And then the second battle, the second round, that's where the hero gets to you know kick some butt because that's going to be it for the villain. But the hero goes on after that. Uh, so that, that's just kind of, that's the trend I usually like. So yeah, there were a few times where I kind of wish that Kabuto had 
you know, still won maybe, but it was a it was a it was a tougher battle for him. Like he had to work a bit more to win, because uh, it it did get a little tiresome when the worms would just run right into his roundhouse kick, and and that was it. Like they just didn't even try to dodge it. I think they just run headlong into it. Because that, that's another thing. I, I think when when you're gonna do the finishers or like a rider kick or something, I always like it where they the hero does something to stun them first, or like a good reason why they wouldn't just stand there or run into it or whatever. Like I don't know. I just I think I think they do that a lot in especially in the original series as I remember, where Rider One will be like punching and kicking a guy, and he'll like he'll knock him over and then jump into the air. And so the idea is that like as he's getting to his feet, that's when he's doing all the fancy flipping around. And then he comes down and kicks him. And, you know, there's a nice progression, a nice flow to it all. Yeah, I still like, I still like Kabuto and <laughs> Kick of Doom and all that. But I, I do think, yeah, it feels like a while before he really starts to run into anybody who can give him trouble. Like, the other riders kind of do, but the worms, for the most part, until later, until they start introducing, like, the tougher, harder shelled worms and things like that, he really just plow through everybody. <laughs> Yeah, aside from that, I, I don't know. I I always like to see the heroes win. I mean, I I guess you know if there was a villain I really liked, then it is kind of cool to see them kick a lot of butt and and really just like knock the hero down. But really, most of my favorite villains they got to do that at some point. Uh, and I'll I'll get into this a bit later with like who some of my favorite villains are. But like Apollo Geist, he got to just screw over X so hard. <laughs> especially in their first episode. It was, and he actually really doesn't even... He doesn't fight him that time, but he, he just gets away. He, like, pulls off one of the best, like, aha, you know, gotcha moments. And and that's the kind of stuff I, I really like, actually, a lot of times. I, I think, you know, to be a, a good, strong villain, you actually don't have to... You don't have to kill a ton of people or, or, or beat up the hero really badly. You you, you can outsmart him, and that that makes for a, a good villain sometimes. But at the same time, it is it is good to have the uh the villains just brutally like demolished like like with leo leo and meteor and and forze there i mean he just knocks them silly and it really establishes him as being this big tough threat that they're gonna they're gonna have to work hard to beat him hopefully that answered the question i don't know <laughs> yeah usually usually i like the heroes to win but i like i like the i like the villains to put up a fight i guess i'll put it that way all right, and we got a bunch more. I'm going to just go up the timeline here. Starting with Big Trans Fan. Favorite rider aesthetic, like biological, mystic, tech, classic, etc. Um, I'm a big fan of the classic riders, so I like cyborgs. I like technology, things like that. At the same time, I, I don't have any problem with the newer riders. I mean, I, I love the whole tech that's a, like a belt that you put on or, or the biological sort of like gills or shin kind of characters. I mean, really, uh, you know, my if my favorite, like, if I were going to design a rider, it would, it would be in the style of the original 10. It would be, you know, cybernetic, but has that superhero external look, and, you know, has the whole, like, the gloves and boots kind of thing going on, I think. You know, it has that, that motorcycle rider look to it. I just, there's something about that that I really, really like. So, that's that would be my favorite one, I would say. All right, next up from... Bruce Bernardo's, how would you envision a proper Kamen Rider feature film? Well, if it's just like a, you know, any kind of Kamen Rider movie, like a TV tie-in movie or something like that, really, you can't go wrong with the eight riders versus uh, 
Ginga O movie. I mean, that, that to me, that's everything I want in a Kamen Rider movie right there. That or Mega Max. Um, either of those, that's how you do a, a Kamen Rider movie to me. Um, you know, or, or really most of them. I mean, I, I enjoy most of the Rider movies, so there's a lot of different ways. Um, if we're talking about like a big, just a big budget, like an, like almost like a, uh, like if America was doing a Kamen Rider movie and it was just, you know, we have we have two hours to tell a Kamen Rider story or something like that. I think what I would do is I wouldn't do a remake of the original because I, I feel that the original, they got it right the first time and you really don't need to remake it. I mean, Kamen Rider the first was fun, but uh, I just, I think that the original holds up fine for what it is. Yeah, as they all do. So, you know, I, I wouldn't do an adaptation or anything like that. I think what I'd do is something similar to, I know back... When I think it was before Skyrider, or after, I can't remember exactly, but they were going to do a Kamen Rider movie. It might have been actually at the same time, I'm not sure, but it was going to be a Kamen Rider movie in like 1980 or something. And they, they got as far as developing a story, and Ishinomori kind of sketched out ideas. And it was it was basically going to be sort of a remake, but not really, which is kind of like what New Kamen Rider is. Um, that it was like a, a revamp, retelling, sort of pared-down version. I'll, I don't know. I'll have to write an article about it sometime, because I actually do have... They published the like the storyboards and the, the rough sketches and stuff like that of, of what it was going to be. I mean, it was very like simple. I mean, you had a guy who really looked a lot like Rider 1, and there's a girl, and there's a bat monster that's kind of like Komori Otoko from the original show. And like an evil scientist dude with a monocle and, and stuff like that. And, you know, very, very simple. But the idea is that it was going to be Kamen Rider on the big screen, like a Kamen Rider movie. So it would probably be something like that, I think. I would, you know, I wouldn't remake the first show, but I'd do something that was similar. So I would, I would do the story of some guy who gets turned, or girl even, who gets turned into a cyborg. Or, or maybe like Kuga, where they, you know, they get some kind of ancient belt or, or like almost like a cross between Kuga and another show where like they get a, a modern belt. You know, there's all different things you could do with it. But I, I would do something like that. I would do a self-contained story that was sort of like, you know, the heart and soul of Kamen Rider without actually being a remake of any Kamen Rider. Just more like a pastiche of like various Kamen Rider shows. Like just taking bits and pieces of them all and kind of just creating like, this is Kamen Rider the movie or something like that. So something different, but something that, you know, you could watch and be like, yeah, that's Kamariah right there. All right, uh, next up from The Stoop. I hope I'm saying that right, which uh, as, as a Nikki of um, Fushcast and Let's Get Ready to Pod fame, who asks, when we hit the 50th anniversary, which of the Heisei actors do you think would have actually come back for a movie? Well, that's that's a ways off, so it's really hard to say at this point. I mean, I'm I'm hoping... You know, I'm hoping they're not too old by that point. I mean, I don't know. I, I do know this. When we hit the 50th anniversary, I really want to see a movie, or it, even before, at some point, I really want to see the movie or the TV show finale that is like, what stronger was for the classic writers, or even what new Kamen Rider was for the classic writers, or, or what Z-Cross even to an extent. But let's stick with Stronger for now, because it actually had all the guys in it. What Stronger was for the first five Rider series, I want to see that done for the shows from Double On. So, like, I want to see Shotar and Philip, A.G., Gentaro, uh, the wizard guy, I think his name is Soma, or something like that. You know, the guy after him, like, just, just 
seven or eight riders, like, all together, you know, the human guys, all transforming side by side, hanging out, you know, sharing dialogue, having little character interactions, stuff like that would just be really, really cool to see, I think. And actually, you know, guys even earlier than that would be cool. I, I mean, I, I think for the 50th anniversary, for like a, a series-wide anniversary, I would really just want as many guys as they could get. Like, I, yeah, I'm really hoping that the show of guys are still around by then. I, you know, I'm sure some of them will be, at least. I'm pretty sure that Fujioka will outlive me. So, at least him. Uh, but, you know, anybody that can get to do voices or to appear, I, I, I really really want them to give the old guys like one more out of suit appearance before it's too late because i think by that it actually might be too late uh i don't know it's hard to say but at least as far as the heisei riders yeah definitely everyone from double on and, and earlier guys it would be great you know whoever's willing to come back i think if they want to come back let them come back and i don't know we'll see we'll, we'll i guess we'll just have to wait and see what sort of state Kamen Rider's in by then because who knows by then the series may be on another hiatus. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We'll just have to see. And he's got another question, which is, you think big team-up movies, like Let's Go, All Riders, are done for a while, and we're going to shift to more Mega Max-style team-ups? Uh, I don't know, because Superhero Tyson, you know, that's like the complete opposite of Mega Max, where they just, as opposed to downsizing, they just, they supersized it. They brought in everybody, plus Sentai, and just, you know, went crazy. Um, I would like to see them shift to more Mega Max style films where it's fewer riders, more human aliases. Like, I, I'd really love it if they did a movie th- that was like Forze and Wizard, like for, for the next movie war. It's, it's got like Forze and Wizard, and then like O's gets a brief cameo, and maybe they have. Skyrider, Super One, and Z Cross, or something like that. You know, just, just throw them in there for for the, the fight at the end, or something like that. That'd be cool. Or, or even you know, finally tie together like Forze meets Super One, or something, and uh, Wizard meets Skyrider because they're they're both magical shows. I don't know, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I would I would like to see more stuff like Mega Max. I, I don't know if that'll happen. I think probably not, but it would be cool to see them done more like that because that was one of the things about Mega Max that was most enjoyable to me was by having fewer riders everybody really got their moment to shine and you know if, if one of the problems you had with the other movies is that it's you know they're just suits showing up and you know they they look like the old guys and they call them the old guys but they don't feel like the old guys Mega Max really corrected that I mean even though it you never saw the seven riders out of costume and it was a bunch of fill-in voices they always felt like the characters to me which is really cool and I hope they do that again all right and then uh, Tracy Calder here has two questions what Power Ranger seasons have you seen and if so what are your favorites well <laughs> I guess that relates to Kamen Rider because sort of. Master Rider appeared on Power Rangers. <laughs> I've only watched the first couple of Power Rangers. I stopped watching around I think it was Zeo. It was whenever they got to like O-Ranger footage. Uh, so it was just the first couple. I'm kind of interested to go back and watch a few of the others because I've heard some good things about some of them. I don't know if I'll ever get the time to but I'd probably want to go finish all of the Sentai first I think before I do that but um <laughs> I don't know, as for favorites, I I don't know. I couldn't really tell you. I mean, Power Rangers is one of those things where I'm not a huge fan of it or anything, but I respect it a lot. What it did 
as far as getting people interested in tokusatsu. I totally get why people like it, and maybe I'll check out some of the other shows, uh, the other series, but I, I couldn't tell you what my favorite one was. I mean, I just, you know, I, I enjoy it. If it's if it's on, if I ever happen to see it, it's one of those things I'll, I'll sit down and watch, but I can't claim to be an expert on Power Rangers at all, so... And uh, let's see, he's got another question, which is, would you like to see another Kamen adaptation like Dragonite? And if so, which one would you like to see ad- adapted? Uh, I would, because I've actually been re-watching Dragonite lately, and it's really enjoyable. Um, you know, I liked it the first time I watched it, but watching it again on DVD... Uh, yes, I actually went and bought the Japanese DVD sets. Uh, it's really good. Uh, I mean, I'm really getting a kick out of it. Because I think one of the smartest things they did was, even though it's the Ryuki costumes and stuff like that, and it's superficially similar to Ryuki, they really did go off on their own direction in a way. And and I mean, they're 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 almost like two completely different things. I guess you could say that about Power Rangers, but like I said, I haven't watched enough Power Rangers to really know. But at least where Dragonite is concerned, it feels different enough from Ryuki, and and that is really cool. I think. Uh, so I would like to ne- see another show, and if they did adapt another one, I don't know which one they would use, because one of the nice things about Ryuki was there was so much footage where the riders were fighting and there was no human characters in the background. Uh, so it was easy to edit around. You don't really get that with a lot of the other shows. Most of the time there's a human character in there somewhere that they're they're saving or that's like watching in the background or something like that. Uh, so I don't know, it'd be pretty tough. You'd have to film a lot of original footage. But let's say, if you were willing to do that, if you had the money and the suits and all that, I would actually really like to see what they do with Kabuto. And I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure why. <laughs> I just Something about that one, I think, it'd be pretty interesting to see what they do with it. Because, I, you know, it, if it's anything like Dragonite, then I think they would make the characters very different. You know, you wouldn't have a character like Tendo. And maybe that ties into the whole thing of, you know, I'd like to see Kabuto kind of fight more for his victories, like fight harder, you know, if he's a different kind of character and is not beating the villains as easily. Uh, I don't know. It'd, it'd be interesting to see and like what they do with the other riders. I guess maybe part of it is the fact that there's so many riders. It'd be cool to see what they do with them all. Like, would the hoppers work the same way? Would they actually be these two guys that hang out with each other? Or, you know, would they almost, maybe they'd be enemies, you know, maybe it's like, Kick Hopper's the good one, and Punch Hopper's the, his evil twin. You know, who knows? It, it'd be fun to see how they handle that. Any of any of the shows would be pretty interesting to see. But if it was like Dragon Knight, uh, I'd I'd be interested to see how they do Kabuto. Okay, and from Computron Thirty Four, were there any times when you saw a new suit and thought to yourself, "WTF," and actually never got used to it, main or secondary? For the most part, no. I, I tend to like all suits eventually. I mean, because the thing about the rider costumes is, at the end of the day, one guy in a fake-looking Bugman suit is no different than another guy in a fake-looking Bugman suit. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's kind of... That's the cynical view way to look at it, but it's the truth. That's why, I, you know, I, I think, like, when they bring back the old riders and stuff like that in the movies, I like them to... Just bring them back the way they were then, because th- those are the suits that, those are the looks that made Kamara popular in the first place. I mean, that's what people remember. That's that's the reason you bring back the old guys is the nostalgia and the, and the fun of seeing the old guys again. So, 
you know, I've never been too big on redesigns. I mean, I like the redesigns in the first and the next, but I don't think they should be replacements. I'm kind of getting off track there, but <laughs> what I mean by that is that, you know, like every costume, I think, is just kind of, it's it's of its time, and it's, it's, it is what it is, and, you know, you can say that there's things you like about it and things that you don't, but ultimately, there's kind of like a, a pointlessness to really getting that worked up over it, so I just kind of get used to them all. I mean, there's very few suits that I would say I never got used to, or like, I can't stand to look at that, or something like that, I don't know, there's just something silly about that to me, but... <laughs> Yeah, no, there, there, I, there's really, there haven't been any that I just never got used to, I think. It it all just comes down to, well, you know, I like that one, and maybe I don't like everything about it, but it's still, you know, at the end of the day, it's still the Kamen Rider costume, and, and you know, he's, he's one of the guys, so I just get used to it. A lot of the times, seeing it in action, or, or seeing, you know, the personality of the character, that, that always helps, too, I think. Okay, and moving on from there, we have the next decade who asks, if you were to have any two Showa and two Heisei writers have a team-up movie, who would they be? Well, as I just said, uh, Forze and Wizard meet Super 1 and <laughs> Skyrider would be a lot of fun. Other than that, I think I, I'd like to do something, or I'd like to see something similar to uh, Let's Go Compromise, where you had a real focus anywhere, an emphasis on Rider 1 and 2, and then an emphasis on the newest guys. And maybe, you know, instead of Den-O, it'd be, like, the two newest ones. Like, again, Forza and Wizard, or Double and Wizard, or something like that, you know? Just just kind of like the oldest and the newest together would be pretty neat. Really, any combination, I think, would be pretty cool. I mean, if, it was, if I was totally just, you know, like, pick your favorite guys, that sort of thing. I Okay, I, I guess I'd do um, X and Amazon meet Blade and Hibiki. Uh, because I really like the X and Amazon team. Like, whenever they show up together, like, in Stronger, they're kind of, you know, palling around with each other. And and in Megamax, too. There you go. You know, it's like how Rider 1 and 2, they're the double riders. V3 and Rider Man, they're kind of another double riders in a sense. So, X and Amazon are kind of like an unofficial team to me. And I think of Blade and Hibiki as their sort of spiritual successors. So, to have all four of them together would be pretty cool, I think. Okay, and then SR Moore 86, or Sean Moore, who's a great artist on DeviantArt. Should check him out. He has a couple. First, favorite evil general characters. Uh, I'm just going to pull up my own FAQ page because they're on there. All right, my top ten favorite major villains, if you will. Uh, obviously, I love the great leader. He's kind of in a class of his own. You know, like I... <sighs> It, it's hard to say that he is my favorite, but at the same time, he kind of is, you know, <laughs> because, like, he's he's the ultimate evil in Kamen Rider. I mean, he's he's, he's awesome. Nayagoro, great voice actor. I, I just, I love the whole idea behind the character that you, we still don't really know quite what he is. And, and that's sort of, that's what's cool, is that he can be anything, really. He can be an incarnation of evil. He can be a space alien. He can be, you know, a giant dragon. He's whatever you want him to be, in a sense, as long as he's the ultimate rider villain. And and he, and he's one of the few characters who I think you could put him up against any rider, and it just it feels very natural. What I mean is, like, you know, you could have him... He could be turned out to be the final villain in Wizard, and I wouldn't question it at all. You know, even if they don't have the other riders show up or anything like that, they just... Yep, the great leader is the leader of the bad guys in Wizard. I mean, that that would just be a cool twist or a revelation, I guess. It's like, I'll put it this way, it's like other 
other bad guys, their arch enemies, uh, you know, like Colonel Zul's arch enemy is Ryder 2. Or Dagobah's arch enemy is Kuga. Scorpion Zodiart's arch enemy is Forze, you know, stuff like that. But the great leader's arch enemy is Common Rider, just as a collective. Like, if it's Common Rider, he hates it. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my usual, my actual, like, top 10. Uh, Dr. Shinigami from the original show, love that guy. Love him. Amamoto is a great actor. And he, he he was he's great because he was he was like nuts in real life too. I mean, he was he was a great actor and a very cool guy. And I think Doctor Shinigami is his best role, to be really honest with you. Like I mean, he and he's got a long history of stage and screen acting, and he didn't speak very highly of Toei, <laughs> but he continually took work from them. So I, I guess they must have done something right. Uh, but yeah, I think Dr. Shinigami is his best role because really, it's it's all him. I mean, he has the suit, he has the cape, but he's not wearing a mask, he's not, he doesn't have any effects done to his voice or anything like that. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pure, just great acting. And he just is genuinely creepy. The, the lighting helps too. He gets some, he gets some nice bad lighting on him sometimes to bring out the shadows on his face but yeah he's just a, just a great character overall and um of course he turns into my favorite monster of all time but that's besides the point uh but yeah dr shinigami just love him apollo geist from commander x and and the decade version too i really like the decade one i think he's one of the best done things in decade to be honest i mean really like with a lot of the other stuff in decade you know you can pick it apart and and there are things where it's like, okay, I can see where you come from on that. When it comes to Apollo Geist, I think he was just great. Like, the only complaint I can think of is that there was never an X Rider world, so he never really got a like a, a properly thematic kind of <laughs> closure. But other than that, I, I thought he was really cool in that. But in the original show, he's just he's so cool. Great design. Again, great actor. Yeah, and and he's just he's so he's just. There's something about him that's just really cool. Just like the whole, the whole look, the whole personality he has. Uh, I really, what I really like about him, I think, like my favorite aspect is the fact that he's got that edge that kind of the the lone wolf troublemaker villain has. You know, the guy who comes in and screws up everything for the rest of the villains. He's got that, but at the same time, he plays by the rules and he follows the orders of the big guy. But, you know, almost in the sense that, like, he only respects the big guy, and he'll he'll treat everybody else like garbage. Like, I know he... His first appearance is he beats up a bunch of the henchmen, and, like, by the end of the episode, he, he basically kills... Or no, in the second... Yeah, in the second episode that he's in... Alright, a bit of a spoiler here, but... Um, there's this monster that X can't beat normally, so he spends all this time training... There's this crazy training sequence where Tachibana has got basically a giant Gatling gun and is shooting at him. <laughs> and he's jumping in the air doing this, trying to perfect this rider kick and all that. And he, he does it and he beats the monster. But then Apollo Geist comes in. He shoots him in the Achilles heel because that's the monster's Achilles. And it, it's just really funny because it's like, you know, you spent all that time training, but I, <laughs> you know, I was mad that he failed me, so I'm going to take him out myself. <laughs> Like, there's something very petty about it that I really like, and just the whole relationship that he has with X, where, you know, he comes in to basically, you know, get things back on track, because the bad guys have been screwing up so much, and 
gradually just grows more and more irritated with X. Eventually, you know, they have this big showdown where Apollo guys gets killed, gets resurrected, and then, like, that's all he can think about. He's like, I want to kick X Rider's butt. Like, he's just obsessed with killing them. And, uh, and actually, his last episode is really good because it, it gives... It gives a slightly tragic edge to him because he's re- he's literally like kind of fighting for his life because he's he finds out he's gonna die and the only way he can survive is he gets um, if he gets X's perfector, which is the the thing that he has on his mouth, you know, which is something they referenced in Decade by calling the silver thing that <laughs> Apollo Geist had on his face that was the perfector, um, you know, and it, it's which he used to drain life force energy and stuff like that. And that, that was just a cool reference, but. Um, so you have this this whole battle, this this final showdown where like, you know that Apollo Geist has to be defeated because he's the bad guy. But at the same time, you kind of want to almost see him win. And I guess maybe that goes back to the question of is there a fight where I ever wanted to see the hero not win? And it's it's tough because I like X a lot, and I, you know obviously I wanted X to win. But at the same time, it would have been pretty cool if you know Apollo Geist pulled that one off and. Got to stick around a little bit longer, but yeah, just great, great villain. Uh, Black Shogun from the original show, love him. Love the costume, the character. Um, he's just ruthless, and that actor, uh, he plays a villain called Spider in an earlier Toei show called Giant Robo, which is he like completely different kind of character. Because in that, he's this he's this evil general guy, so similar setup, but. He's a he's a very comical kind of villain, and he gets into a lot of like wacky hijinks and stuff. But as Black Shogun, he's just like this ruthless bastard. Uh, he's really cool. I I love the new version in Let's Go Kamen Rider. Like that guy, even though he didn't look like Black Shogun because he was a much older actor, he he got the whole feel of him, which was really cool. And I think I like how the movie it took him pretty seriously. Like he was a he was a serious threat. And I liked that they he gets defeated by O's, which was pretty neat. You know, gave, gave O's kind of like a lot of street credibility because that's the last uh, Hiruka Million who Black Shogun turns into. He was the final monster in the original show, and he's a pretty tough guy in that. So that's like, it makes O's look really good. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to go through these pretty quickly because I could talk about all of them forever. But Colonel Zo, love him, original. The very first, like, main commander. You know, a very simple idea. I mean, he's just kind of a general military officer, Nazi kind of guy. But, again, just, you know, great acting, great writing. He's just, he's so much fun. He's such an evil guy, and the eye patch is cool and all that. Uh, Baron Fang from V3. I always liked him. I always liked how uh, him and the other guy, Archbishop Wing, they're only around for a couple episodes, but I think that's that's what makes them work is that they're around just long enough so you don't get tired of the gimmick and you kind of you, you want to see more but at the same time it's like they took the gimmick as far as they they naturally could so it, it never it never really gets stale which is nice so you, you feel very kind of satisfied with them even though they're only around in a couple episodes and, and Baron Fang was really cool loved the whole costume uh, you know, loved the whole idea of him like the wild animals and the voodoo cult stuff. I mean, I really want to see stuff like that in Wizard. Like, come on, let's have the return of the Dorbu cult and all that. Like, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, Ambassador Hell from the original show. Again, you know, crazy over-the-top costume, but 
I always like seeing Ushio Kenji. He's a uh, he's another good actor. And you know, I, again, this is one of those things like the Kamen Rider one and two costumes. Like for me, to me, Kamen Rider one and two are the new costumes. Like the, I mean, the later series, you know, the silver and red gloves and boots, the stripes, the silver helmets, or you know, in Rider two's case, the dark helmet. Like that to me is is the characters because I just I have so many fond memories. Of, of those versions of the characters and what they did and things like that. So it's the same sort of thing with Ambassador Hell, where, you know, even though he, I, he's, he's probably my least favorite of the original series villains, I still love him a lot because he's in so much history, I guess. You know, so many of the famous moments, like his final battle with Rider One, where he has the, the lion, you know, and then blows up, and, uh, yeah. I don't know, just sometimes the scenes a character are in or the, the moments a character has, the memories that they leave you with can kind of help you like them a bit more, I guess. I don't know. Dr. G and Martial Armor from V3. Love those guys. General Shadow and Hundred Eye Titan from Stronger. Uh, the the relationship that they have with each other is, is really funny. I just love how they're, you know, you you got this real sense of uh, they just do not like each other at all. But, again, great designs, great voices, and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and actually, I really like uh, Dead Lion, you know, the other <laughs> stronger general who <laughs> isn't around very long, but a pretty important character, in my opinion. Now, I know I kind of uh, focused a lot on the old villains, but you know, once again, that's where a lot of my favorite bad guys are from. But if you want to go a bit newer, I always liked uh, La Dorogu from Kuga. He was the, the bean counter, as they call him, the guy with the abacus. Something about him, his whole look, uh, was just really neat. I, I, lo- I loved his monster form, you know, as, as little as appeared. Uh... I don't know. That he, he, something about that character just always has stuck with me. I, I really liked him. The L Lords and Nagito, I mean, they're kind of like the closest to a, a commander or a general type villain, but they're pretty cool. Uh, Isaka from Blade, the Peacock Undead, he was really cool. I, I love all the undead guys in Blade, like the high level ones with the human forms. They were really cool characters. Um, the Garafa Beetle one in particular, I mean, he's such a scumbag. I, I just love that that twist where, you know, you think he's gonna be a good guy, You're like you think he's gonna side with Blade and everybody, and then when they beat Cerberus there and they beat Tenoji and he's out in the rain, and then the guy with the glasses shows up, that is still one of my favorite moments in the series because I did not see that coming at all. Like I was sure that, you know, oh they're they're gonna make this guy turn good or something or he's not going to be that bad or you know whatever but no he he shows that he is evil <laughs> with that moment um the other isaka you know from double the weather dope on he was really cool and and he was one of the that he kind of coincided i would say with uh, like about the time that excel appears that's where i started to sort of get into the show a bit more like, the early episodes were a little rough now, I've gone back and watched them since, and, and I like them more now, but at the time, it was sort of like, I still didn't quite know what to make of that show. Once XL turned up, I, I started liking it a bit more, but once Weather Dopont appeared, I was like, okay, this is what the show's been missing. Like, this is the the kind of bad guy I was waiting for. Uh, so I really liked him. Agreed, we're cool, in the horoscope. I mean, yeah, I know, I'm basically every Rider villain ever, but... <laughs> 
There you go. I mean, I, I always love the big bad guys, but yeah, my top ten—they're on—they're on the FAQ page if you want to—if you want to read them. If, if I didn't make it clear enough. Um, okay, and another question from Sean: Is there a writer series that you feel kind of missed the mark, wasted its potential? Uh, that's tough because really, <laughs> I mean, almost—that's uh, kind of like the the overarching flaw I think to just about every writer series is that there's always things that you wish they could have done this a little differently or, or done more of this and it all kind of comes down to how much that bothers you uh, and and most of the time it really doesn't like V3 I, I really love and this is kind of like this is such a minor thing that I, I can't say I think it hurts the show that much or whatever but you know I I'm sure you probably know, I have this big thing where I always thought that at the end of the show, Kazami and Junko should have gotten together. Uh, and, and that's not quite what happens, but you know that that's not a huge mark against the show. I mean, that's just my own kind of <laughs> fanboyism right there. But um, I, I think as far as wasted its potential, or at least didn't fulfill its full potential, it kind of pains me to say this, because it's a show that I do really like, but I gotta say probably decade because i still love decade a lot i had a blast watching it it's some of the most fun i've had watching tv at the same time i think everybody has their own kind of idea of how they would do decade and how they would do differently and yeah that's what it really feels like to me is that it's i i like decade for what it is but i will admit that it could have been so much more at the same time but uh, but I still love it. It's <laughs> it's really tough. Um, but ultimately, I think every Riot series it's it's always there's always something in them all. I mean, there there's not been a Riot series that I think has been completely worthless or devoid of merit. I know I said this before last episode, I think. But yeah, you know, there's always something. The, the 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 pros usually outweigh the cons for me. Okay, and I think that's it. If I missed any, I'm sorry. Um, I'll try to get to them next time. Uh, the last one here isn't really a question, but uh, Agrak said, I have seen Mega Max three times after reading a review. I have to watch it again just for the end fight with the Seven Riders. I gotta watch it again, too, because that is a great movie. <laughs> and I actually did two podcasts about that. One is the HA Radio, which uh, if you haven't listened to yet, please check it out. And there's another one. Um, the Rising Sun Toku cast, which uh, I don't think is up yet, but hopefully will be soon. Uh, we had a lot of fun and, and actually ended up talking about quite a bit more than just the movie. That wraps it up for this episode of Rider Break. Uh, and episode 6 will be coming hopefully <laughs> sooner rather than later. I, I know what I'm going to do. I know what I'm going to talk about. I actually do have the next couple planned out. Uh, and, and thank you to everyone who has sent in questions and comments and suggestions for future episodes. I'm taking those all to heart and uh, planning out a couple future episodes that will be based around those for some time in the future. <laughs> it's late. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, thanks for listening. Uh, for more Eager Devil, go to eagerdevil.com. Please follow me on Twitter and or Tumblr. Uh, please like the Facebook page, and uh, Rider Break is also on iTunes. And also, if you are subscribed to me on iTunes, uh, please subscribe to HD Radio, because I go to the iTunes page, 
uh, this just makes me laugh. Like every other Tokusatsu podcast, when it says what other you know podcast listeners are subscribed to, mine always pops up. But when I go to my page, I don't see HGU Radio, which I don't know. It just feels a little weird because that's you know they're the ones that really kind of got me started on this whole podcast thing and you know got me more exposure. So if you're subscribed to me, please at least subscribe to them. You know, even if you never listen to it, <laughs> it's okay. I don't know. But anyway, that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.